Wasn't that beautiful? Oh. That touches the heart. It goes right down into the bones. I mean, this beautiful melody with the words. And you couldn't have asked for, for a better uh, song and a better title. And she sang it from her heart. And that's the most beautiful thing. What a privilege to have music. It's a blessing. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for this beautiful song that Taylor sang. We thank you that she's a wonderful vessel for you. We pray that you will continue to use her, Lord, in the choir and also in the youth choir and continue to use her with the solos. And Lord, she is available to you all the time. And we thank you that she is a faithful servant along with Jeff, her husband. And so we pray, Lord, that you will be with us today as we glean in your word. And we pray that we... We'll have the power of the Holy Spirit with us today. We pray that your word will go forth and will speak to us in what we need to hear. Please hide me behind the cross and pray that the Spirit of God will touch our lives today. That We'll go home different people than when we walk through the door. That we will draw closer to you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. You know, Christmas is a great time of year. I love Christmas. 
And it's a blessing because we celebrate the Savior's coming into this world to be born in Bethlehem's manger, to grow up, to become a man, and to go to the cross and die for us. That's what makes Christmas what it is. If Jesus Christ had not been born in this world, we wouldn't have a Christmas to celebrate. But we're thankful with every tree light, with every Christmas tree, with every ornament, with every greeting, with every greeting card, that the name of the Lord Jesus is lifted up. That is a blessing in and of itself. All the other things are superfluous to me, whether it's the shopping like Jim mentioned, the crowded malls, people getting a little impatient and edgy and things like that, getting upset. All those things, you can set them aside because Jesus is the reason for the season. He is why we celebrate Christmas, and true believers in Christ know that. We are assured of that, that He is our Lord and our Savior. And you know, being a follower of Jesus Christ in this world today is not popular. It's not in vogue. You're not going to win any popularity contests. They're not going to invite you to, on, to a television show or put your name in the newspaper as, as being a wonderful Christian. The world does not think that way. In fact, we're kind of an irritant to the world, like someone that gets something in their eye that wants to kind of get rid of it. They don't want to hear about Jesus Christ. They don't want to hear it from us. So we're not going to be popular. But the title of our message this morning is Confessing Christ to the World. Confessing Christ to the World. It's a responsibility that we have this time of year, at Christmas time, and also throughout the whole entire year to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Notice behind me here, Jesus is Lord. We believe it. We know that's the truth. We know it says so in Scripture. But the question that we have to ask ourselves today, is it true in my life? Is Jesus Christ Lord of my life? Of everything. Of my school, of my sports, of my work, of my family, of my job. Is He Lord over everything? Have I given it all to Him? Do I confess by my words and my life that I belong to Jesus Christ? Do people see a difference in my life? That is the question we all have to answer. And may the Lord encourage us today to confess Christ. I'm going to ask you to turn to a couple of verses which are, is our main text today. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Please turn in your Bibles because we're going to stay in this text. We'll have other scriptures that we'll have up on the board and so forth. But we're going to read from Romans chapter 10. Two beautiful verses, two of our all-time favorite verses, really, in the Scriptures, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. The Apostle Paul has been treating the subject of the Gospel and how the Gospel goes forward for every person, Jew and Gentile alike. There's no exclusions. Men and women, boys and girls, Jews or Gentiles, slaves are free, everyone needs the gospel, and the gospel is the good news. There's good news, there's great news that Jesus came to save us. And so he comes to the culmination of this in, in verses 9 and 10 and tells his readers now what they need to do to respond to all that he said up till this point. And he says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus 
and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. If you look in the dictionary under the word confess, you'll find many different meanings according to the dictionary, including confessing your sins and other types of things. But one of the definitions that really applies to our message today is confess means to declare one's faith in. If you declare your faith in something, you confess it. You confess it. You're not ashamed of it. Dave is not ashamed to say that Amber is his wife and he loves her. He's not afraid of that. Mike is not afraid to confess that he was a firefighter and he was a fire chief and he retired from the fire department. He's proud of that. He confesses it. Sometimes we have success in the world and we win an award or we get employee of the month or whatever it might happen to be. You're not afraid to confess that and tell people this is what, what's happened. Why should we be bashful? Why should we be shy? Why should we be fearful of confessing Christ? Isn't he the greatest person we ever knew? Isn't he our Savior and our Lord and our King? Hasn't he saved us and changed our lives? Shouldn't we be willing to confess him before everyone? Yes, we should. We really should. But you ask people today what they think about that. What do they believe in? And a lot of times people don't have a clear message of what they believe in. If you ask them, what do you believe? And they tell you things that make you think, well, it's very hazy, very, very vague, very superficial. They don't know what they believe. Only true Christians, true believers in Christ, know what they believe and stand on what they believe. And that's what we need to do. We need people today, young and old, wherever we are, we need to go out and stand for what we believe. People need to know this is a Christian. This is how he lives his life. This is how she lives her life. And we need to stand for Christ. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to confess and he wants us to believe. He wants us to have a strong belief system so that we're not wishy-washy. We're not straddling the fence that we draw the line in the sand. I believe in Jesus Christ. He's my Savior and I am with Him. And that is what we want to do. That's why Paul, when he spoke to Timothy toward the end of his life in 2 Timothy 1.12, he makes a clear exclamation and proclamation when he says this. He says, for this reason, I also suffer the loss of all things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. Paul wasn't ashamed. He said, in, in fact, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I love the fact when he says that, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. The Greek word is the same word as we have in English, dynamite. The gospel is the dynamite of God. You light a stick of dynamite and it's going to explode and have a big effect. And our lives should be that way too. We should have an explosive relationship there. We should be able to confess Christ and believe in Him and stand for Him. And in this passage, there's two things, just two points this morning that we'll look at today, that we need to confess Him with our mouths 
and we need to believe in him with our hearts. Confession and belief go together. And that's what a Christian is all about in this world. It's a combination of believing in Christ and confessing him before others. You know, God has given us a tongue. And we can use our tongue for many different purposes. And the tongue can get us into trouble or it can be a great blessing. And the Lord wants us to use our tongues to share with others the good news. It's a wonderful thing. He gives us a tongue to do that. One day the Lord Jesus was with his 12 disciples and they were along the road and they were in, in, in uh, Caesarea Philippi. In the 16th chapter of Matthew, it has a story recorded for us and the Lord Jesus was sitting around. They were probably sitting in a circle and all talking, just the group of them. And he asked them a very important question that we can ask ourselves too. And the question he asked them and he says, who do men say that I the son of man am? Oh, and they had various different answers. Some said Elijah, some said John the Baptist, some said Jeremiah, some said one of the other prophets. And they were all giving different answers. But all of a sudden, the Lord looked them right in the eye, like I'm looking you right in the eye, and he asked them this question. But who do you say that I am? Now, it's not what the polls say, or what the people say, or what is popular, or what's written. No, he says, who do you say that I am? And I love Peter, I really do. He always was the one that was speaking up. If he was a student in school, I'm sure he didn't wait for the teacher to call on him or raise his hand. He blurted out the answer. That's the way Peter was. He probably grew up that way. Well, this is how he was in this story, too. He blurts out the answer, but guess what? He blurts out the right answer. He blurts out a great answer, and his answer was this. You are the Christ the son of the living God. Amen. Jesus didn't correct him. Jesus didn't say, Peter, you shouldn't have said that. No, he commended him for that. In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ commends him for it. He says in the passage, Blessed are you, Simon Bar, son of John, or son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father has who is in heaven. He gave the right answer. He made the right confession. He confessed Christ in front of the other apostles, the other disciples. We all know what happened to Peter later on. When it came time to speak for the Lord, he denied the Lord three times. That same tongue that had confessed that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God was the same one who denied him not once, not twice, but not three times. And I'm thankful for Peter because the Lord restored Peter and he filled him with the Holy Spirit and forgave him of all that he had done. And he went on to be a great preacher. In fact, the first message he gave at Pentecost, 3,000 were saved. And then it came to be 5,000. And it was just a wonderful thing because Peter remembered his roots. He probably thought many times about those two conversations. On the one hand, I confessed him as Lord, as God, as my, as my king. And on the other hand, I denied him. May the Lord help us to confess Christ, to not to deny him, but to show forth that we love our Lord for what he's done for us. We all know about D.L. Moody. He was a great preacher and a man of God. And he says this about the story. He said, yes, he blessed him right then and there because he confessed him to be the Son of God. He was hungry to get someone to confess him. 
Then let everyone take his stand on the side of the Lord. Confess him here on earth, and he will confess you in heaven. You know, that's the amazing thing of it. Sometimes our pride can get in the way in coming to confess Christ and to share it with other people. We should not let it get in the way. If we want the blessing of heaven, if we want his peace and his joy and his love in our lives, we have to be willing to confess him and proclaim him in our lives. That's why Paul told first in 1 Timothy chapter 1, at 6 and verse 12, he told Timothy this. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, you're going to be the pastor of this church here. You're going to be a servant here, a leader here, and you have a responsibility to make the good confession to confess Christ, to live Christ, so that people will see by your example of words and actions what a real Christian is all about. You know, you go out in the world today and you meet other Christians, and it's sad to say that some of them swear. Some of them go out with worldly people. Some of them go to bad movies and things like this. They're not well taught in the Word of God. They're not standing in the truth. But our responsibility is to stand in the truth, to show what a real Christian is all about. Not to be proud about it, but to be thankful that he saved us and that we can live Jesus Christ before the people of this world. That's what it's all about. And the Lord Jesus called people publicly. He called them. And they came and confessed him publicly. I think about the story of the blind man in John chapter 9 because he was healed of blindness. He was blind. He came to the Lord and the Lord said, what do you want me to do for you? He says, Master, I want to receive my sight. Rabboni, I want to receive my sight. And so Jesus healed him. He gave him his sight back. He made him cured so he could see. And he was so happy and the Jews were so upset, the religious leaders of the day. And then they came to his parents and they say, is this your son? And they said, yes. Well, is it true that he was blind? Well, he said, yes, he was. Well, who made him, who cured his blindness? And they were so afraid. Will you ask him, he's of age? Because they were afraid that if they confessed Jesus publicly, they would be put out of the synagogue. Listen to what it says in John chapter 9 and verse 22. It says, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews agreed already that if anyone confessed he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. So to them, their being part of the synagogue, of the religious system of the Jews, was more important to them than confessing Christ. If a person is truly saved and genuinely saved, and Rajiv can, can attest to this from over in Sri Lanka also, where it's harder to be a Christian. If a person's truly saved, they're going to confess Christ. In many parts of the world today, a person confessed Christ person, uh, publicly and is baptized publicly, they can be persecuted. They can even be put to death because they're willing to stand up and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. In the United States, we don't have that. It's easier to become a Christian here in the United States. But even though it's easier, still people will not accept what we say. They'll, may, they may laugh at us. They may put us down. They may insult us. They may try to hurt us in many ways. 
And we have to be willing to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. One of the ladies in the Bible who stood up for the Lord was Martha. We all know that she was the one who was busy serving the Lord. And she said to the Lord, she says, Lord, tell my sister to help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about so many things. But Mary, she's chose the better part. And it shall not be taken away from her. In other words, Mary sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his word. And she was just enthralled by it and so encouraged by it. But Martha was a wonderful lady too. And when, when Jesus came to their house after Lazarus had passed away, he'd been dead for four days, both Mary and Martha spoke to him. And the Lord had a personal one-on-one -on -one conversation with Martha. And he told her this, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And can you imagine she's so grief-stricken. Her brother is dead. She's been crying and she said all these things. But she spoke up and said to the Lord, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. And I really love that because Peter confessed him. Martha confessed him. Will you confess him? Will I confess him? Will I proclaim him? To those around us. You know, it says very clearly here in our passage in verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And what this really means in the original is if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, He's the boss, He's in control. He is our Lord and Savior. Sylvia gave a wonderful message on Thursday, for those who were able to come, on being at the helm. And so many times we like to be at the helm of the ship. We like to just steer that ship and everything. But what happens when we steer the ship is we run aground. We run into the rocks. We, we sink. But the Lord says, won't you let me take the helm of your ship? There's a beautiful painting that shows a man at the helm of a ship and behind him is the Lord Jesus Christ right there with him at the helm of the ship. He wants to take control of our life, not to be bossy, not to be mean, not to put us down, but he knows that he knows what's best for us because we don't, we really don't. And he loves us so much that he wants us to confess with our mouth that he is Lord and believe in him. If you look over at 1 John chapter 4 and verses 2 and 3, and you can see it on the screen, you'll see what the Apostle John says about this subject. He says it very clearly. He says, but this we know, by this we know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now in the world. He put a line right there in the sand. If you confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that he's the son of God, you're saved and you're with him. But if you don't confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh and that he is the son of God, you're not with him. It's a clear distinction. Adel and I were over at Randy and Natalie's yesterday and we were coming back in the car and we saw two young men coming out of a, of a house 
And Adel said, those must be Mormons. I said, no, best on their retire. I think they're, I mean, uh, I think they're Jehovah's Witnesses because the Mormons dress a certain way and, and the Jehovah's Witnesses dress a certain way. And the thing about Mormonism and the thing about Jehovah's Witness uh, religion is it's a cult. They take many Christian words and then they infiltrate falsehood with it. And that's why there's so many false cults. But it all comes down to one common denominator, two common denominators. One is, what does that cult teach about Jesus Christ? Who do they say he is? And many of the times they will not confess him as God. They will not confess him as the Son of God, as the true Messiah, as the true Lord. He was a good man. He was a prophet. The second thing that distinguishes a cult from true Christianity is they don't believe in salvation by grace through faith. They believe you can earn it and you can deserve it and you can merit it. Well, if salvation was by good works, I think we'd all be going through the neighborhoods. We'd all be trying to do all the works we can because we'd want to know we're going to heaven by doing those good works. But then you'd ask yourself, how do I know if I did enough good works? How do I know if the scale is going to be balanced out in my favor or not? How am I going to know? The Lord makes it simple. He says it's by grace through faith. It's not what we do. It's what he's done for us on the cross. Amen. He died for us. He died for our sins so that we can be saved and know him in a personal way. And the Lord Jesus had a very special commendation for all those who confess him. You, myself, all of us, and everyone who's lived ever since. In Matthew chapter 10 and verses 32 and 33, the Lord Jesus shows how important it is to confess him before men. Matthew chapter 10 verses 32 and 33. It says, The Lord Jesus said, Therefore whoever confesses me before men, him I also will confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Isn't that an amazing thing? He says, If you confess me before men here on earth, I will confess you in heaven to my Father. And another passage, another gospel, it says before the holy angels. I'll confess you before the holy angels also if you confess me. But if we don't confess our Lord, the Lord said, I'm not going to confess you. How sad it is if a person isn't willing to confess the Lord Jesus Christ. And confession is from the heart. It has to come from the heart as we're going to see. It means taking a stand for him and being willing to confess Christ to the world. I think about a few years ago now, it's been quite a few years ago, we were down in Monterey enjoying a nice vacation with the family. And while we were down there, we heard about the terrible events that took place in Colorado, in Columbine, the high school, and all the students that were killed by the shooters there. And it breaks my heart every time I think about it. It's very, very sad. But in the midst of the sadness, there was a rose blooming. And it was a young lady. I don't know what her name was, but the shooter came up to her and pointed a gun. And he said to her, do you believe in God? Now her answer was, yes, I do believe. And those were the last words that she spoke on earth. Those were her last words. She was willing to say her conviction, yes, I do believe. That's, that's tough. That's tough. But God gives the grace. And think of all the martyrs down through the centuries who were willing to be burned at the stake, thrown to the lions, 
crucified upside down, whatever the case was. They carried the gospel message to us today through their blood. Aren't we willing to take a stand for him, confess him, believe in him, and be willing to stand for him? Yes, confessing Christ is declaring our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why he says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Confession and believing go together. They're like inseparable twins. You can't have one without the other. If you confess, you're going to confess what you believe. And if you believe, you're going to confess. The two go together. I like what J. Vernon McGee said. He said, Paul is saying that man, man needs to bring into agreement his confession and his life. The mouth and the heart should be in harmony, saying the same thing. Saying the same thing. Sometimes we put out mixed messages. Our mouth says one thing, our life says another thing. And the world gets confused. Are we surprised that they get confused? If our mouth doesn't match our walk, our lifestyle, something's wrong. Something is wrong. And we have to ask the Lord, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, if my confession does not match my life. If my words don't are not backed up by the way I conduct myself in this world. Bible commentator John MacArthur said, this is a deep personal conviction without reservation that Jesus is that person's own master or sovereign. This phrase, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, includes repenting from sin, trusting in Jesus for salvation, and submitting to him. It's all included in this, confessing Jesus as Lord. If we confess it, we better mean it. And if we mean it, we better live it. And that's the challenge. It just comes down to that bottom line. Are you willing to confess Christ? <clears throat> so many Christians today do not say anything at school or at work or anything because they know their life doesn't back it up. So they're afraid to say anything. Their, their words are locked in a prison cell in their hearts. They can't come out because their life is not backing it up. Now, we're never going to be perfect. We can never say we're going to be perfect Christians and we're never going to fall. We're never going to stumble. He even uses our stumbling. He even uses our falling. If we do say something out of turn or do something wrong, we can ask their forgiveness and they'll see real Christians ask for forgiveness. Real men cry. So, you know, we have to confess Jesus. Secondly, we have to believe in him in our hearts. It's a beautiful thing. And Taylor said in the chorus of that song, I have it here, I believe the wise men saw the baby born, the angels called, the son of God, heaven's child, the great I am, born to take my sins through nail-pierced hands. Emmanuel has come, I believe. You know, it's not enough to say, well, my mother believes, so that's okay. Or my father believes, so I'm, I'm going to get in on that. No, you don't get in because your mother believes. You don't get in because your father believes. Or your sister, or your brother, or your cousin, or your aunt, or your uncle, or your friend, or anyone. You have to believe. Just like you have to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you also have to believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And that's not an intellectual belief. That's a heart belief. 
And so many times I think Christians know it so well up here that it hasn't got down to our hearts. And that's when he touches our hearts and he gets us to really believe it on the inside and then it will come out naturally. It won't have to be forced or anything. It will come out for him if we believe in our heart with him. You know, the belief is really the whole, takes into account the whole personality. The person is made of, a, of three things, the, the intellect, the emotions, and the will. And all are involved in believing. All are involved in our salvation. With our minds, we believe it. With our hearts, with our emotions, we feel it. And with our tongues, we proclaim it. The Lord wants us to do that and be content that way. In the New Testament, as I mentioned, believing and confession go hand in hand, and this is seen so clearly in John chapter 1 and verse 12. John chapter 1 and verse 12 says this, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Notice in the same verse, he says, you receive him and you believe in him. Receiving and believing. You have to do both. Receive and believe. To have belief in Christ means to have a faith in him that is solid and consistent and means something. And that's why it says to have a faith. He doesn't ask you to have a blind faith. Okay, I'm going to close my eyes. Blind faith and just throw myself onto the floor. No. He says, I want you to have faith in something solid, something reliable, which is on the Word of God. These things in the Scripture really happened. Jesus was a real person. He really did come. It's not like Taylor was singing in the song. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a myth. It's not a nice story that you tell your kids when you put them to bed at night. It's the truth of God's Word. We believe it. I love that it's a little song, but it's a saying too. God said it, and I believe it, and that settles it for me. So young people, older people, you have to make the personal decision yourself to believe in Him. And you have to believe in Him with all your heart. And when you do, you'll have, your life will be totally changed. Nobody will recognize you. I think about jo John Newton who wrote that song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He was a slave trader. He treated people in, in a rude and cruel and mean way. And one day the Spirit of God got hold of his heart and changed his life. And he changed him from a sinner into a saint. We're all sinners. We all need to be changed into saints. And only God can do that. We can't do it. A sinner can't just dress up like a Christian and say, well, I'm a Christian now. No, it has to be in the heart and then be confessed through the mouth. May the Lord help us to be encouraged by that. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 what faith and believing is all about. He says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's not hard. It's not difficult. It's impossible to please God unless you have faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's what true saving faith is about. It's real. It's consistent. We may not be able to see what is ahead of us, but we know this, that when the path is unclear, the solid rock is underneath us. So when we take a step out in faith, we know the rock's going to be there. It's going to be solid. 
And when we doubt and we fear and we worry and we get anxious, it doesn't please the Lord. It doesn't glorify Him because He says, I will take care of you through every day or all the way. I will take care of you. God will take care of you. But I ask you this question, is your faith real? Is it sincere? Is it genuine or not? And it's a question we all have to ask, and we have to ask ourselves this question. Does my faith make a difference in the way I live? Amen. Does it make a difference with my family, or do when I get home with the family, I just kick back and I'm the old, old way? No. We have to be the same way at church, at home, at work. We don't want somebody to come up to us, oh, I didn't, you go to church? You're a Christian? No. We don't want that. We want them to know by our words and most of all by our life. Someone said, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. We're sermons. We're preaching a sermon by the way we live, by the words we speak, by the people we come into contact with. One day when Philip was going down to the, on the Gaza road, down the desert road, he met up with this Ethiopian eunuch. And he, and he went up and he spoke to the eunuch and he was reading in Isaiah and he spoke the word to him. He preached the gospel to him. He told him about Jesus and he got saved. And then as they were going along in the chariot, he says, look, there's water there. What prevents me from being baptized? Peter, uh, Philip says, stop the chariot. He said this to him. He said in Acts chapter 8 and verse 37, it says, then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. Peter confessed him. Martha confessed him. This Ethiopian eunuch confessed him. They all have the faith in the same God, in the same Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't no matter where you're from or your background, what you did, how sinful your life was or is. Coming to Christ is for everybody. And not just at Christmas, but every day of our lives. He makes the difference. He is the one who has changed us completely. And the key is to have faith. And you have to say this, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe I need to be forgiven. I believe that I need to be saved. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe that he rose again from the dead and ascended back to heaven. And I believe he's coming back. And when you can say that, and you can accept that as, as the truth for your life, accept Jesus into your heart, into your life, it says it's unto salvation. Because notice in verse 10, he says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Yes, it's a confidence, it's an assurance. We can walk with our heads high, thankful for what he's done for us. We don't have to cower down and say, well, I'm a Christian. No. We should be proud that we're Christians. We should be thankful. But we should never look down on anyone unless we're reaching down to lift them up. That's the only thing. And to pray for them, to go down and pray for them. That's what it's all about. Yes, it's a confidence and assurance. It's saying amen to what God has said. Amen to what God has said. I love that when a person is speaking or you hear a, or in a Bible study and you hear somebody say amen, say amen. It means so be it. I agree with it. I say amen to it. I believe it and I'm, I follow it. 
And that's the way he wants us to be. And I love how he says here in this passage, in the end of verse 9, he says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice he doesn't say you may be saved. You could be saved. You might be saved. If you follow this simple formula, you will be saved. And you will know for sure you're going to heaven. And you will have Jesus in your life. And he will be a friend that sticks closer to a brother. That when you get into trouble situations, you can know that he's going to be with you through everything. The Apostle Paul told the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16 and verse 31, the simple gospel message. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And that night the jailer got saved. His wife got saved, his kids, the whole family was saved. Theologian J.S. Schaefer said, Saving faith may be defined as a voluntary turning from all hope and grounds based on self-merit and assuming an attitude of expectancy toward God, trusting Him to do a perfect work based only on the merit of Christ. As long as I hold on to one shred of what I do, one good work, one meritorious thing, one gift I've given or anything, as long as I hold on to anything, I can't be saved. I can't believe. I can't confess. I have to let it go and say, Lord, I'm nothing. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to go to heaven. I don't deserve to be saved. But I take you as my Lord and Savior. Please forgive me of my sins. Give me eternal life. And he will do it. You will be saved. But so many people in the world, even religious people, believe that they're going to go to heaven, not because of what Christ did on the cross, but you interview them, you ask them, and they say, well, I think I'm going to go to heaven because I've been pretty good. I haven't committed adultery, I haven't committed murder, I haven't done any really bad stuff and anything like that. I might tell a white lie here once in a while, but they always look at what we can do. If you notice, people in the world, religions of the world, it, it's two things. Either that way, to be saved by works, or to be saved strictly by faith. And so many times people will look at us and say, what do you mean? It's too simple. It's too simplistic. It's, it's, I must have to do something. You mean I, ha I walk up the stairs on my knees, or I must have to pray a certain number of prayers, or anything like that? No, just accept God's remedy. Just accept God's solution. If you went to the doctor and you were really sick, or let's say you got bit by a, a rattlesnake and you're dying of it, the doctor's going to say, I can give you a placebo or I can give you the remedy. Which do you want? Man's way is the placebo. It won't do anything. A sugar pill. What is a sugar pill going to do when you're sick? What's a sugar pill going to do with you when you got the poison, the venom in you from the rattlesnake? Not going to do anything. Only the true remedy will help you get over that bite of the rattlesnake or get well when you're sick. So too, only Jesus Christ, only his saving work on the cross will save you and give you eternal life. That's what it's all about. Two ways in the world. Only one is right. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You can't go your own way. You have to go God's way through Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what happened with Abraham. And Ab when Abraham, it says of him in Genesis 15, 6, about his faith, 
It says, And he, that is Abraham, believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. That's what it's all about. To summarize then, before we conclude, I'm just going to read you what it says in the Amplified Bible because I think it's really powerful. Verses 9 and 10 in the Amplified Bible, and then we'll conclude this morning. It says, the Amplified Bible puts it this way. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, and in your heart believe, adhere to, trust in, and rely on the truth, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, adheres to, trusts in, and relies on Christ, and so is justified, declared righteous, acceptable to God, and with the mouth he confesses, declares openly, and speaks out freely his faith, and confirms his salvation. Isn't that beautiful? The Amplified Bible is great to study with. It's such a blessing. So in conclusion, I'm going to ask you this morning, are you willing to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus? And are you willing to believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead? If you are, you can be saved right here today. So many people say, well, I'll go home. I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. No, get saved now while the chance comes because who knows if you'll have the opportunity to even arrive safely at home. We have to be saved today. We have to accept Jesus today because otherwise it could be too late. Confession and belief go hand in hand. We have to ask ourselves, are my words and my life matching up? If they're not, let's match them up. Let's make sure that we live the scriptures as well as preach the scriptures. The worst thing we can do is be hypocrites and go around with a Bible in our hand and live according to this world. People will not receive it. They won't listen to you at all. They always say that children are very sincere and they can pick up on hypocrisy. We, know, we need to be, avoid being hypocrites so that our words and our lifestyle will match up. Shall we just remember this morning, God sees the heart, he knows what we really believe. He wants us to be saved. And he wants us to confess him to this world. Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for it's so simple and so true that salvation is by the grace of God. It's not by any merit of our own, Lord. We don't deserve to be saved. We look at ourselves. We know how sinful our thoughts are, how sinful our words are, and how sinful our actions are. And we know that if we had to measure up, Lord, to your perfect standards, all of us would fall short. We do fall short. But we thank you that you sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who didn't fall short, who was perfect and sinless and holy. And he died in our place, Lord so that we can believe on him and we can confess him and be saved and have eternal life. We pray for those who hear this message today, not only here in the sanctuary, but at home on the computer or wherever they are, that they will bow down and accept you, Lord Jesus, as their savior today. And we just want to thank you for each one of us. Pray for those who are saved here this morning, Lord. Help us to confess you to this world. Help us to live you before this world and to not send out any mixed signals, Lord. We thank you and praise you in your precious name. Amen. Amen.